Welcome to the July 3rd edition of the PFF Forecast, a little early July 4th treat for everybody on the day when the USFL finally mercifully comes to an end. Uh, we're going to do um, uh, some fun segments here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten, uh, getting UCLA and USC to, um, I guess, take a winter break in uh, the northern Eastern United States. It'll be interesting. We're going to talk coach of the year bets. Uh, this will be a fun conversation as well as uh, some season long prop bets, like most passing touchdowns. Uh, and I will uh, bemoan the fact that uh, my F1 bets are not off to a great start. Let's rock. Oh no. So uh, here, here's my, here's my story. Um, I, the, and I won't, I won't belabor this point here, but I made some uh, formula one bets this morning. I woke up like 25 minutes before the race started, which was 7am uh, West coast time. And my big bet was that Lewis Hamilton was going to do well in this race. Um, it's his home race, it's the British grand prix. Um, and the, the Mercedes car has been getting a lot better. So I bet him to finish in the top three. Uh, I bet him to uh, finish in the top two um, and potentially to win. So the race gets started and he makes an incredible start, picks up multiple spots right off the line. Incredible start for him. But there's a crash behind him that red flags the race right, right at the start. Luckily, everyone was okay. But the, because they hadn't finished, not every driver had finished enough of the race, when they restarted it, they went back to their original position. So that start got completely wiped out. So he just set the fastest lap time. He's in fourth right now. Not all, it's not all lost, but um, that's what I'm, what I'm grinding through right now. Uh, did you, did you follow me with F1 today? Or are you just too caught up in your Philadelphia stars love? Yeah, I'm a lifelong Philadelphia <laughs> stars fan. Um, actually the, the, Funniest thing was I was watching, there was something on YouTube, like an old game. And it like the algorithm took me to like the USFL title game from like 83, oh, wow. um, which is funny. The stars have played in all four USFL title games, including the one today. Uh, there were the Baltimore stars at one point. There's a, a funny story about Donald Trump moving the league to the fall. And then all the teams that played in NFL cities, moving to cities without NFL teams like Baltimore back then. But no, I, I woke up and then like, to be honest with you, I did see your tweet and I did want to tail it. Um, I had a good day yesterday. I did some MMA. I, I found Ben the better on Twitter. I faded oh, every nice. pick he had and I won all but one. I made. I even made. I even made a a, so, a sound bet on the Seattle Sounders in the MLS. Uh, I donked a, a, my only WNBA bet uh total i missed by two points so i was ready but honestly i have like one last hurrah on the usfl today and so i figured why not just let it ride um okay. I'll, I'll i'll tail you on f1 uh another time starting next week i have a verstappen okay. like future so i feel like that's like the one the one like connection i have with you but i also didn't know like i don't think my sports book has the bets that you were putting out there like oh top 10 you know, uh, podium. You've got to really, what, you've got to really dig. Yeah, they got to um, really, yeah. And like, I mean, I, I'm more likely to bet the wrong thing if I, if I like, you know, if I go with that. Mm -hmm. So I was with you in spirit. 
Okay. Well, that's, a, I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's a legitimate barrier for people that are trying to bet. You know, it's like, Hey, I want to bet on this, but I am, I mean, if you're intimidated by it, imagine like right. an average person, you know? Right. I think that the empathy is such a big deal. Well, empathy is maybe like the wrong word, but like, you know, you and I are working on products here at PFF and a lot of the products we want, we want to make people better at betting. Um, and like, it's hard because it's sort of like the problem we had as teachers, right? Where, you know, if you're a math teacher, or a math professor, like chances are the stuff that you're teaching came easy to you. And so mm -hmm. it's hard to like relate to somebody who can't, who doesn't understand the material. So, um, you know, I, I think having a new, like having a different league, like I understand point spreads and money lines and totals. So like the NBA, it's like fine, but, it, but something like racing where, I mean, I get head to heads, but I don't necessarily know like, okay, you know, what, what is play show, all that kind of stuff, like, or, mm -hmm. or how to translate them. I was talking to uh, Ed Fang who runs the power rank. He came and visited for the uh, analytics social. And he was talking about how he converted, you know, head to head prices. He was converting between head to head prices and outrights in golf. And like, that's probably a, a similar idea to mm -hmm. F1, but not, not exactly the same. But yeah, it's, it's good to sort of like, you know, come to grips with the fact that there are people all throughout the spectrum and to live in that world a little bit is actually probably pretty good. Uh, your boy, Max Verstappen, just came on the radio and said, uh, quote, the car is 100% broken. So, <laughs> so is yeah, he losing, other... he's going to lose it all then? Well, no, I mean, he has a pretty substantial lead in the uh, overall season race, um, but he uh, does not appear to be doing well here. So both Ferraris are in first and second, which means, which means they're setting up for disaster. And that means Lewis Hamilton in position to potentially win. Okay. We're going to talk football here. Love, I promise. Love, love. Let's, let's start. Okay. With um, this big 10 thing. So UCLA and USC are joining the big 10. Um, now I'm here on the West coast and um, it's, kind of like laughter was really the only response <laughs> when, when this came through from everyone that that I talked to. Um, let me tell you who I, I interacted with while uh, when this news came out. I actually happened to be at a barber shop getting a haircut. And so, you know, all these people are like, you know, in there and that's the thing to talk about. And everyone is just laughing their ass off. Uh, what is what is your take on this? Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I think I said this before, but back when um, I, I went to University of Nebraska from 2008 to 2012 and Nebraska joined the Big Ten in 2011, I was part of student government in 2010 and 2011. Um, and, I, and this was back when the Big 12 had 12 teams and the Big Ten had 10 teams. And there were like discussions, like every single thing we did, because the Big 12 was not as good of an academic conference as the Big 10. And so like there was all, this whole thing about, oh, you know, you need to do things up to Big 10 standards, right? Like everything mm -hmm. we, we, we talked about in student government was like, we need to represent ourselves as a Big 10 school and right. all this kind of stuff. And now it just seems like laughable to me because the, the Big 10 thing has like nothing to do with academics. It has nothing to do with frankly, other sports other than basketball and football. I mean, I feel bad for the non-revenue sports for sure. Like I feel bad for like, you know, vo volleyball, 
you know, track and field, tennis, like baseball, mm-hmm. you know, just because like, it's just going to really strain them. Right. And, you know, they probably have uh, football has to come up with like a hockey model relatively soon. And, and even hockey, like kind of went away with it where they, you know, where you have a different conference for that sport and, you know, all the resources mm-hmm. that sort of get plowed into it, like don't necessarily, aren't necessarily binding for the other schools in the big 10, because can you imagine like a curling or not curling, but like, track and field for UCLA having to like fly to Minnesota and do like a, a triangular meet with Minnesota mm-hmm. and Wisconsin, like during the middle, like that's such a waste of resources. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like broken up about it from a football standpoint. It's just like, we know that this is where it's trending. Fox is the big, you know, sort of driver for big 10 football. And, you know, ESPN is the big driver for SEC football. So you see, you know, the big 12 teams, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, they go to the SEC. You see two dominoes in the, in the uh, Pac-12, uh, UCLA and USC move into the Big Ten. It's just going to consolidate in two things. And honestly, like, you know, have you ever watched the Pac-12? Have you ever watched a game successfully on the Pac-12 network, George? I, I <laughs> like, well, you know, you need, you it's need so funny TV to do it. it it's also... I get it. I get it from a UCLA and USC perspective. You know, it's going, the chances of them being a good enough team to win, to make it to the playoff and then actually make it to the playoff increase dramatically here. You know, this, this is not, this is going to enable them, um, you know, to, to, to potentially get back to glory. It was impossible. The PAC 12 was such a tough place for people to get noticed. Like it really, really was. And um, I mean, if you don't live on the West coast, it's not only impossible for you to watch a game because of the time, it's also to your point, impossible for you to find it on television. So it, it, it makes sense. It's sad though, a little bit because I mean, it really hurts, um, you know, Oregon, Stanford, uh, Utah, Colorado, like Arizona, Arizona state. I mean, it, it, that's a tough one um it's gonna rise the tides though but, in in some of the like I, do you see eventually i mean we've already seen it a little bit where some of these group of five schools you know like cincinnati um houston you know they they've elevated themselves to the big 12 so they're essentially a power five like i i don't know if that is meaningless now but like you're gonna see some mountain west teams now get into the pac 12 which could like mm-hmm. really help them right but the problem is going to be ultimately what's going to happen, I think, is that like it's just going to create a third tranche of, of football. It's, you know, you're going to have FCS, you're going to have kind of like group of five ish, and then you're going to have the two power conferences. Um, I think the only thing keeping the ACC from joining up here, um, it, it, joining up here is um, this idea of, uh, you know, that I think that their network is pretty good. The it's a good point. Um, and I wonder, I don't know. I mean, the big joke on, on social media, obviously is like, Oh, these, uh, you know, these warm weather pack 12 teams, West coast teams, USC and UCLA shown up to play in 10 degree weather in Michigan. Like that's not going to go super well. So there's also, I mean, do you think that changes the types of players they recruit? Like, do they have to change that up again? What's, are you going to bet, against them in that first year, you know, when they're going and playing Michigan or Ohio state, like 
do you think that'll be priced in appropriately? Is there, how would you approach this going into next season? Yeah, I think that you have to, like, you have to look at what, what happens when USC goes and plays Notre Dame. And when they play Notre Dame in, in you know, at Notre Dame, they get their ass kicked usually. Um, and it's just like a physical mismatch. Like, the problem is, like, you, you, see, you see two, like, sort of, you see two sort of diverging things, right? SEC against Big Ten almost always, it, or SEC, ACC against Big Ten almost always results in the the team from the Southeast, like, you know, outrunning the Big Ten teams, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, Pac-12 teams that are also thought of as athletic um, getting, you know, they, they generally get manhandled by the Big Ten, like, physically. So, that that's kind of where you know Oregon versus Ohio State last year, notwithstanding. I, I that that's where I get a little bit worried. It's like, are the athletes in the western part of the country good enough to overcome the fact that they're not going to be as big, or can you entice a you know a lineman from Wisconsin to come play at USC, knowing that they're going to get to come play at yeah. home a couple of times? Like, I think that that's that's going to be the question. Can they match physicality in their recruiting? Because I, I, that- I don't think that that's that's the open question to me. That's actually what I was thinking. And I think, so here's my hypothesis on this. I believe that this is a really big move for USC. If you, this is, this is giving USC a, a really legit shot to be, you know, to, to bring that dynasty back. They have Lincoln Riley. They're bringing all of the talent over to USC. And it's not hard. You bring a lineman out, okay, for a trip to USC. And he goes, oh, I also get to still play in the Big Ten. I get to go home and visit my family a couple times a year. And then he sees what he's living in the rest of the year. The answer is going to be yes. And so I agree with you 100%, but I don't think that's going to equally distribute between the two teams. I think UCLA could be in for a real nightmare here and usc could be on the other side in for a really really big come up um that's my that's my hypothesis there's also the fact like i think somebody was very um somebody was very sober about what the big 10 is right now like um ohio state is a powerhouse Mm -hmm. um wisconsin is a very limited but good program penn state is a very limited but good program um michigan is is a good program but only only with respect to the meltdown of ohio state and then every other team in the big 10 sucks like let's and i and i that includes my nebraska cornhuskers that includes the team that i grew up next to which is the minnesota golden gophers that like every single team in the big 10 and like the difference between the teams that suck like minnesota beat the tar out of wisconsin last year penn state is you know whatever um you know they'll never like that's I think the promise for USC, which is like really it's Ohio State and Michigan is Michigan is plucky, pesky, that kind of thing. You know, every once in a while they'll have a year like last year where a bunch of guys pop up and they can go to the go to the college football playoff. But for the most part, USC and then UCLA will fit in like a glove because the UCLA is like, I mean, they're dead ass the Nebraska Cornhuskers of the Pac-12. So like that, that you know, they'll they'll fit in fine. So. I don't see them fitting in poorly. I think the recruiting to the point we made, I think will eventually even itself out to actually where they're going to be more complete of a team. 
So it, it's interesting. I, I, I see the rationality in it. I think it's going to have, I think college sports are going to be so much different than how we grew up watching them. Um, because it's really just going to be basketball and football. And then every other sport is going to act like a division three program for the most part. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting at first though. It'll be weird. Got to rerun the simulations with all the new conferences. Greatest, uh, uh, athlete football player in, uh, big 10 history. OJ followed by Marcus Allen. The, uh, good friends I heard. Um, Okay, real quick, uh, let's get. It just to... reminds me, by the way, of the. Uh, remember when Goodelli was going through the Nor? By the way, R.I.P. Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald uh, doing the ESPYS. Yes. <laughs> Norm McDonald, if you want something to watch in July and there is not a lot of football There's on no, for you to no watch, USFL left. Watch, watch Norm McDonald and uh, especially his ESPYS open. It was Charles incredible. Woodson. Like, I mean, no one will top that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, USFL championship game, real quick. Um, who are you betting on um, if someone happens to watch this before uh, before the game starts? Yeah, so it'll start at 7.30 tonight. Um, I have a Philadelphia Star 7-1 to future that is alive. Um, they are currently, if I look at the market, it's, you know, Circa opened it at 3.5, which is exactly where I made it. The rest of the market opened it at four and a half. It was basically at four and a half all week. Um, it's currently at four. Um, and, you know, when you look at money line, so Pinnacle is giving you plus 157, minus 188. Uh, I think on DraftKings, you can actually get the Philadelphia Stars at plus 175, which I think is the best line you're going to get. The total uh, was 46 a bunch of places. I took under 46. It's 45 now on DraftKings, 45 and a half in other places. I probably, by the time the game starts, will hopefully be able to bet like an over 44 and a half just to try to get a middle there. Totals have been kind of weird lately. Um, it's just a, it's been a fun league. I, I, the stars are not as good as the Stallions, but I do think that they have more than a puncher's chance of winning tonight. Case Cookus, uh, enjoy. Enjoy case cookies. I will not. Um, before we get to the football bets that actually uh, are in a league that matters. Sorry, USL. Uh, you are probably preparing for your fantasy draft. And if you are preparing for your fantasy draft, the best way to do that is uh, with underdog fantasy. Go play in their best ball mania tournament. $10 million total prize money. All you have to do is draft. It's a ton of fun. It's not a lot of money to invest. And then you don't have to actually make all these changes during the year because the best, the, the best high scoring players play every week. Um, you, you're missing out on the big trend though. The champion last year drafted in June. So I, I don't know, you know, if you have a shot, if you draft in July, but you can give it a try anyways. Uh, underdog fantasy, you can go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. The app is super good. Use promo code PFF and they will double your first deposit up to $100. And then if you play 10 of those dollars, with promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So you can get all the content and analysis you need to then go dominate that draft. So that's how you do it. You go sign up, you get the, the double, then you get the free uh, subscription. Use that to prepare for your draft and then go win millions of dollars. Super simple. All right. Let's get into it. Let's start with um, passing touchdowns, and then we'll get to coach of the year. So uh, this is per DraftKings. DraftKings uh, just posted a bunch of these, which is, I think is, is going to be pretty cool here. 
Um, so, these are just over unders. These are over unders. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 33 and a half. Carson Wentz, 23 and a half, which is interesting. Uh, Dak Prescott, 31 and a half. Daniel Jones, 19 and a half. Davis Mills, 21 and a half. Derek Carr, 29 and a half. Jalen Hurts, 22 and a half. Um, where does your mind go first? I hate to say this, um, but I will gladly do this. Um, where do we have? Oh, we have Wentz kind of in that 28.8 range. He had 27 last year. I think on a run first team, 23 and a half isn't a ridiculous number if he's not hurt. I know. I know. It, it's, and I know I like we already had, we are, we just saw like Steven Ruiz on Twitter correct our friend Tage Seth and say, oh no, Wentz's production was average last year. It's okay, fine. But like, that does, still, like if you lose it, if you bet this under and he gets over and you're like, yeah, but his like PFF grade sucked or my film analysis film sucked. I don't give a shit. I, I, I care about his production. Like, either that team's going to be good, right? In which case, I think mm-hmm. 23 and a half is probably a, a decent low bar for him. Or they're going to suck. And, like, do you see them coming off of him at all? Like, if they suck, he's going to be throwing touchdown passes. Yeah. I, I liked the Wentz one right off the bat. I mean, he had 27 last year and was kind of dreadful in a lot of games, you know? Well, they were just run first in a lot of games, right? And they ran the, the hell out of the ball. The good news here is that he has a better receiving core than he had in Indianapolis by a decent margin. I mean, Terry McLaurin is significantly better than any receiver that he had in Indianapolis. And... I mean, they're playing in a division where they're going to play the Eagles and the Cowboys a couple of times, and those teams are going to score a lot of points. And then the other one that I actually also like is Daniel Jones at 19 and a half. Now, last season he was injured. Um, He, so, you know, take his number with a a grain of salt. He had 10 passing touchdowns last year, Um, but he played significantly better from a PFF grading standpoint than his output, 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions would lead you to believe. And has is going from, I mean, he is making the biggest leap in terms of what he was dealing with last year with Joe Judge to what he has this upcoming year with um with Brian Dable. The only concern I would have is honestly that he runs it in too too many times. Um, I don't think they're gonna try and overuse Saquon Barkley. So those are kind of the two from an over perspective that that I initially liked. Um I got one Aaron more. Rod- Okay, go ahead. Our brother in Christ, Matthew Ryan, over 25 and a half is even money. Hmm. We talked, one of our friends, really sharp guy, told us, you know, he was like, the team I'm on, the Colts, sort of thinking it through. It, it's not going to be that hard, right? Like, you know, Pittman's better than he was, you know, yeah, you get some guys back from from injury. You have running back like Hines who can catch the ball for touchdowns out of the backfield. But much better O line than than Ryan had. We make it more like twenty seven and a half. Um, that's one if you I think want like a really 
I don't know. Like that one feels like really good. The Matt Ryan one. I think Matt Ryan's good this year. Good. I'm here for it. What do you think about Rogers? 33 and a half. He had 37 last year. I think some of this, you know, uh, won an MVP, but some of this regression yeah. has got to be baking in, um, you know, not having, having Devontae Adams. Yeah. Okay. So our, our, we, our numbers would say go under here. It'd be really hard for me to, but here, here's the case to make for the under. Nagar, calm down, by the way. Um, here's the case for the under. That defense is probably going to be pretty good, um, meaning that they're going to just be in games that are just like, welcome back to the third quarter, and it's the mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers 27 and the Minnesota Vikings 3. You know, and then, like, he's not going to have to throw the touchdowns in the fourth quarter to, you know, take people's souls. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. I also think that the offense is going to be, for better or worse, run first. Um, so you're going to see more Dylan. You're going to see more Jones. They Jones, you know, you look at Jones's numbers last year, they were not becoming of the contract that they gave him, right? And I know some of that is Dylan's emergence, but um, I think they're going to try to give Jones more, you know, carries at the stripe um, to justify that deal. Um, and and I, I, I got to look. I know Jones's production. Yeah, he only had four rushing touchdowns all last year. So, like, I think that there's going to be like some regression there as far as the distribution of touchdowns, run pass, and mm-hmm. and to whom. Um, you also have the fact that Rodgers is somewhat injury prone. He missed time in 13. He missed time in 17. He missed time uh, last year. Um, you also have the fact that that division is dreadful, other than Detroit. So, you know, they he could sit the last game and a half. You know, who knows? Just like he sat the last half game last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that is to say, I think, unders the play. What are you, what's, your, what's your gauge? Yeah, I, I'm with you there that that's the right play. And I, I just don't see – I think it takes a while to get on the same page with the receivers there. I do. And they have – I think because of how good Rodgers has been, people have forgotten where that offense kind of comes from, right? Which is, you know, a lot of this wide, you know, outside zone running the football. They're going to get Bakhtiari back. They've got Aaron Jones and they've got um, uh, the tank himself. Uh, Why is his name escaping? AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon, yeah. The J stands for January, of course. And so... I just could see that being, you know, especially down near the red zone. Think of how many times, you know, especially near the goal line, that it was just automatic for Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams has the most touchdowns in the red zone by like like 15. It's insane. That connection got better and better. I mean, you talk about like Matt Ryan a second ago, like him and Julio Jones were on different books and different books on different pages in the red zone down by the goal line, but that was not the case for Rodgers and Adams. And so, you know, who is he going to have that connection with that is going to be able to get open consistently? Because I'm not sure Randall Cobb is the guy that, you know, you want to bank on there. Is it Robert Tunyon? I'm not sure. But those two things, I think you go under, and that's not to say that Rodgers won't be brilliant. It's just that the scoring opportunities will, just by virtue of not having Devontae Adams, um, you know, are, are going to diminish there. So I, I'm with you there. I like that a lot. 
let's go to sorry Our, my my favorite my favorite one which i think uh will elicit like a lot of, of of thinking here uh coach of the year yes so coach of the year uh, on draftkings.com brandon staley 14 to 1 nathaniel hackett mike mcdaniel 16 to 1 josh mcdaniels 18 to 1 todd bowles sean McVay, sean mcdermott nick sirianni kevin o'connell Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski, Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, Dan Campbell, Brian Dable, Bill Belichick, Zach Taylor, all 20 to 1. Ron Rivera, Vrabel, Kingsbury, Lafleur, Harbaugh, Reed, Sala. Oh, sorry, not Sala. Those are 25 to 1. Sala's 28 to 1. Mike Tomlin, Mike McCarthy, Dennis Allen, 30 to 1. Matt Rule, Matt Eberflus. Pete uh, or 40 to one Pete Carroll 50 to one as is lovely Smith and Arthur Smith. Let me, I'll go first real quick. The one that stuck out to me just glaringly. And you think about the recipe for, for this. Okay. You need to, you know, improve. You need to, to do better than expectation. And there needs to be, you know, a narrative around, around the team and around the coach a little bit of you know sexiness and the reason for the media to pay attention and the person that sticks out to me i think this is just ridiculous this is the only coach in this group that has long odds who is also a one of the best coaches in the nfl and that's mike tomlin yeah, Tomlin at 30 it, to 1 makes a lot of Tomlin sense. Tomlin at 30 to 1 is ridiculous. Now, let me paint the picture here for you. They're improving at quarterback no matter what, but the quarterbacks that they're going to have are still not great quarterbacks. So when they perform, when they when the team performs above expectation, more of that credit's going to go to Tomlin. Tomlin also brought Brian Flores in. That's going to be talked about a lot. It's a genius move, and it shows the kind of leader that he is. And the, this, the last thing here is you think about that division. Okay, well, the Browns, as they should be, a complete shit show. The Bengals are, I think, as we've talked about, you know, it's going to be tough for them. It's complicated. Off of that. Yeah. And then you've got, um, uh, you've got the Ravens, who those are always knockdown, drag out fights. So um, I, I love Tomlin 30 to 1. I like that one a lot. Um, and, and I'm going to take another coach who I think at, at a similar price um, for similar reasons, but I like Dennis Allen at 30 to one. Um, Allen, it, like, so this is similar to Stefanski, right? When Stefanski mm-hmm. took over in nine, 20 and one coach of the year, it's like a team kind of in the middle of the pack, right? Where, you know, they were nine and eight last year. Mm-hmm. They lose Peyton. Now, my prior is that Peyton is worth a ton, and this team's going to take a step back. However, mm-hmm. if I'm getting 30 to 1 odds, I want, you know, that that's enough for me to at least say, okay, if I'm wrong, then I'm going to get paid out here, right? Because, right. like, think about it. So, you know, what needs to go right for this to work? Like, we're uh, there's an argument about, we'll talk about uh, John Robinson with the t- uh, Titans in a second. Like, the NFC South is very AFC South-like if one thing happens and that's that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of fold. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, not to say that they will, but like, I mean, this has been a fundamentally different off season for Brady. I mean, the guy wanted to quit. Um, 
the head coach did quit, you know, retired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you lose guys like Sue, Pierre Paul, Jordan Whitehead. Um, you know, you lose Antonio Brown, you lose Gronk. You know, uh, Ryan Jensen was the one that retired. No, it was Ali Marpet that retired. But, like, you lose one of your great offensive linemen. Um, and the, the Falcons and Panthers are a bus fire, right? So if you go like 11 and seven, let's say 11 and six and win that division, Dennis Allen's a front runner, isn't he? Yes, I think so. Um, I I like that one as well. My, the challenge there. So I guess there's two ways to look at it. One is the narrative is certainly that Sean Payton is a big loss. So if you mitigate that even a little bit, you're going to get credit there. Obviously, Um, the challenge, I think, for for the Saints is they're at a decent disadvantage to the Bucks. And so there's there is that, you know, there is that chance that the Bucks kind of run away with that vision. But I I like that one a lot. I I really don't have to win the division to be the coach of the year because Stefanski was that in in 20. True, but but I'm saying like, like, like they need to be in competition. Like there needs to be, you need to be at least talking about them with, with a chance. Right. Yeah. So I agree. That's, that's where my uh, head would go. That's a similar, I think, narrative to Dan Campbell at 20 to one, right. Where, yeah, we've talked about the lions a bunch here, but like on this podcast and how much you love, uh, the restoration of the roar happening this year, but they don't need to win to that one division if they're if they're in the conversation. I agree. I agree. It's not enough, and that's why I'm saying like I much prefer Dennis Allen at thirty to one than Dan Campbell at twenty to one. Among the guys that are twenty to one, because there are a bunch, right? From yep. Bulls, McBay, McDermott, Sirianni. You know, w- which of those do you like the best? It's a great question because um, – so, so let's, like, go through – like, I don't think Shanahan's ever going to win one again. Like, I think that the die is cast. By the way, that's also why I never said anything about McCarthy, right? Like, I think McCarthy is never going to get credit anymore for what his team does, and that's probably fine. I think Shanahan – there's fatigue there, right? There's fatigue with all of us praising Shanahan because he is mm. great, Right. Um, and I don't think like anything that he does is not surprising. Right. Um, like he should have probably been in the running for it last year, uh, given all the, right. the injuries and what he dealt with. And I know Vrabel, Vrabel was very deserving, um, given all the injuries they had and stuff. Um, Stefanski's already won one. I think Doug Peterson's a good chance, right? 20 to one. Um, the problem there is that if that team's great, it's going to be because of Trevor Lawrence. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to get the majority of the, the credit there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Peterson's probably going to be correlated significantly, like the brilliance of Peterson, if, if that happens, will be correlated with what Lawrence is. I don't think Reich at this point is, is, a, is a candidate. I don't think Bowles is either just because if that team is great, no one's going to gravitate towards Bowles. They're going to gravitate towards mm-hmm. Brady. Um, mm-hmm. Campbell, that's, Campbell, that's, that's just – PFF forecast syndicate steam right there. So that you're already, you're already buying the worst of the number there at 20 to one McVeigh same Dable same Belichick same. If Belichick didn't win it last year, uh, he's probably never going to win it again. Uh, Zach Taylor, same thing. Um, so for me at the 20 to one level, it is Kevin O'Connell. 
right? Kevin O'Connell's the one that if if we talk with Green Bay, if if all the stuff we talk about with Green Bay happens, uh, Rodgers struggles, that defense isn't quite as good as we think. That let's say that Green Bay team goes nine and eight, like, and the Vikings go ten and seven and win that division. Kevin O'Connell is a very much a candidate, right? Especially given mm-hmm. that I think a lot of like Kirk Cousins is probably going to throw like his, I saw his prop thirty one and a half. Kirk Cousins probably going to have a similar year as last year. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook is is probably not going to rush for 2000 yards. I think he's getting worse. Jefferson's brilliance is already baked into the cake. Uh, everybody's going to look at that Vikings team and say, shit, they were two straight losing seasons, a uh, bunch of close games, a bunch of great talent. And now Kevin O'Connell comes in and shit, they're a division title winner. Oh, that, that, that he's the, he's the key. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I think the 20 to one of the 20 to one group, Kevin O'Connell is the clear one that I would take uh, as, as value. I like Kevin O'Connell one. You know, the one that stuck out to me was was Doug Peterson because he's coming into a situation where the coach last year was Urban Meyer. And so he's he will get a ton of praise for resurrecting and like mm-hmm. bringing it back from complete disaster. So I you know, I like that I like that narrative there. I'm in agreement with you on, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Belichick um, you know, if they, if they didn't win it uh, last year, are they ever going to win it? I'll throw one more out here, which is Sirianni at 20 to one, mm-hmm. you know, picking up AJ Brown, the, if, if Jalen hurts has a good year, some of that credit's going to go to Sirianni, no doubt about it. And they're not the favorite to win that division. The Cowboys are, but they've got a legit shot to win it. And so that's the situation where if they are winning the the nfc east you've got to put him in that conversation you absolutely have to so that's another guy that Here's, i like any other how, bets that you'd make on, on coach there yeah how good did the how good do the eagles need to be for sirianni to get the credit as opposed to aj brown hurts defense is my question like mm. it, you know what i'm saying like if they go let's i think say they, go they i think they need five. to win it yeah, let's say they go 12 and five. Are we giving that, like, what are the things that have to happen for them to go 12 and five and for the credit not to go to like AJ Brown or Hertz or, you know what I mean? Like, cause last year when Brable, and again, people are arguing over the Titans today, like last year, the Titans went 12 and five, won the division, got the one seed, but you couldn't give any of the credit to Tannehill. He has, he was worse than the previous two years. You couldn't give the credit to Derrick Henry because he sat out half the year with an injury. You couldn't really give the credit to the defense because there was really only one good player on that whole defense. Uh, Landry's fine, but like you, you know, Kevin Byard was a star, but the rest of the defense is kind of no names. And so, like, you gobble up all the attention back to to uh, Rabel, and that's a weak division, right? Where they weren't really challenged by anybody else, and so, you know, that ended up being what it was. I think the problem is, is like the NFC East, and this is going to get to my last bet. The NFC East is good enough where I don't think like AJ Brown can flame out. Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. can flame out the defense. I mean, all oh, the defense is a unit. So that could, that could be good collectively, but then Sirianni's an offensive coach. So it's maybe not going to be given to him as far as narrative. I don't know if I see a situation where that team wins that division and it's not because of great play by players, in which case that it's Mm -hmm. going to be a tougher sell. 
Um, which it gets me to my, my best bet here. And that is Ronald Rivera at 25 to one, because oh, wow. you, you look at the Dan Snyder stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think all of us look at Ron Rivera and say, okay, Ron Rivera is a good person. He, he has always treated people. Well, he handled the mm-hmm. Del Rio thing probably fi- as well as you're going to be able to handle it aside from firing him. Um, that offense that offense has a superstar in Terry McLaurin, but we all already know about him, right? He's not going to emerge. He's already, he's, his brilliance is baked in the cake. Jahan Dotson's a rookie receiver. So chances are, he's not going to like be amazing. Like Justin Jefferson, he'll probably just be a really good contributor right away. Um, Antonio Gibson's not a star. The offensive line's just okay. The defense is full of players that we are kind of already like the defense is full of players that have been good and bad, but all, all have great names. If that team mm-hmm. wins 11 games, they're giving Ron Rivera the, the, the coach of the year, especially because the last part, which is the quarterback, the quarterback is like the definition of unremarkable in Carson Wentz. I agree with you. If they win 11 games, I do think Ron Rivera gets that. <laughs> um, I just cannot see that happening. So I get the narrative there is really good, right? Because the team is going to be, I mean, the the organization is such a nightmare, Mm -hmm. but I do think that's going to make it even harder. And the fact that they have Carson Wentz is going to make it is compounding. there. So I'm so like, I guess I'm ready to, I'm ready to get hurt by Carson Wentz this year, I guess I, 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 you can, Hey, by the way, uh, producers, you can, you can put that on a graphic. I'm ready to get hurt by Carson Wentz this year. I have no back for that. You can get 25% off at pff.com with promo code forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. Um, get an elite subscription, gives you all of the betting tools that we use um, for uh, the, the upcoming season, plus all of your fantasy tools that you need and every piece of content, grades and data to prepare yourself for the NFL season. We're like 10 weeks away now from games actually being played. So go to pff.com and make that happen. All right, you have two what you're calling privileges of the week. And these are, are tweets that, um, that you find or pieces of content that you find that you particularly love. And we're going to discuss them very clear. So why don't you give us the first one? June 28th, Darren Ravel is apparently what Darren Ravel of Formerly of ESPN, now of the of um, the Action Network. The Action Network. I, I get a lot of people don't like him. I actually have done some shows with him. I thought he was quite nice, but this one is hilarious. So he so he makes a bet of two hundred seventy dollar wager on Harmony Tan live plus mm-hmm. one sixty. He goes, I bet this with Tan up on Serena two zero in the first. Feel like this number should have been about two fifty. So he, he bets a live line at plus 160, thinking it should have been plus 250. Like, and we all, we all have this. Like, I, I remember last year around this time, like somebody asked it, like somebody asked a question of like, hey, if you had a field goal kicker that can kick a ball from anywhere, would you want him on your team? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. And it was just like my reflexiveness. And obviously I was wrong because, you know, at the average drive is like less than three points. Right. So if your minimum drive was three points, then obviously that'd be something to have. I was more like just reflexively like, Oh, that would make the game suck, but I was clearly mathematically wrong. Right. 
Um, so, so I'm certainly not like, I'm not immune to this at all, but there are part, there are times when people say stuff in sports betting content or Twitter or something like that, where you're just wondering if they, you're just like, don't bet anymore, please. You know, like you're, you're just going to lose money. Um, this one's one of them. Like, if you think the number should have been 250 and you're betting 160, you need to be able to say, but I'm an action junkie and I just wanted something on the game. That's, that's mm-hmm. the only, that's the only out here that you have. Um, interestingly, or he could have said, I thought it should have been plus 150, but ultimately whatever the second one. And this is from our own Kevin Cole. Yeah. Do you think it was just a typo? I hope so. But he, he should have like owned up to it then. But even that, like, if you think something should be plus 150 and it's plus 160, um, especially yeah. given like how live lines work and like the fact that, you know, you're, you're already betting into a high, a high hold and like the, the book can like reject your bet. If something like good happens for you during that, like 20 second delay or whatever, like you need actually more than a 10 cent edge there, I think to make it worthwhile. Unless again, and I've said this enough on Twitter. Like there are times when I'm like, I like the wild today in hockey. I don't have an edge. I don't have a model. I'm just want to watch the game and hockey sucks without something, without something riding on it. Like there's no, like, I'm not, and I don't like, you gotta be like, if you are a content creator in the betting space, I think you do have like some responsibility to say, Hey, this is just like me firing off here. Right. If you want to come enjoy this game with me, go ahead. But I don't have an edge here. Like you're, you're, you're bet you're, you're losing the hold here. If you, if you're, um, do you think, um, <laughs> do you think he meant to put a minus sign? Like I'm trying to figure this out because if you think something should be plus 250 and it's plus 160, that's a reason for you. Like just to be extremely clear, that means you shouldn't bet it, right? You're saying no. like, Oh, I think these odds should be way longer. Yeah. Um, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to bet it. Um, so yeah, I, I have no idea. Uh, to be clear, I do kind of like that bet. I just the logic is just bananas. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, that that is why just to give people a little bit of a of a hint, why sports betting content is proliferating so much because unlike so daily fantasy sports players for whom I have a lot of a lot of respect, like to actually put together a really good DFS lineup requires good projections and good game theory and a bunch of multidimensional thinking. Sports betting is like, to your point, like he lucked into a good bet with terrible reasoning. The chance that you're going to luck into a good DFS lineup with terrible reasoning is a lot smaller because of the way probabilities happen when they multiply together. You know, sports betting content is full of people who are like, I like this side. And it's like, well, tell me your reasoning. And it's like, the reasoning's junk. But but But, you know, every other time they're on the right side, of course, um, because of the way things are working. should we should we hold the last priv of the week until t- next week, or do we want to sure. go through it? Okay, sure, we can do it. We can do it next week. Um, uh-huh. Let's get to recommendations before we get out of here. Okay, uh, the the F one race is starting to heat up, so there's a chance Hamilton's got a chance. Recommendations? You have a really good recommendation. Why don't you kick it off? I do. I watched. I finished last night the George Carlin documentary on HBO Max. I actually got an HBO Max subscription just to watch that documentary. Um, it was, I think a two-parter fantastic, uh, obviously his commentary on like, you know, basically everything from our politics to religion, to, 
you know, just like comedy, how to live, how to evolve as a person, like was fantastic. And sort of the look, I, I just love, you know, I like really like the Anthony Bourdain documentary too, which is also on HBO Max. Um, but I, I do like looking at some of these like just brilliant people and some of the demons that they struggled with uh, because, you know, they weren't, you know, oftentimes a lot of their content came out of wrestling with things that uh, we all wrestle with. Hmm. George Carlin has one of the funniest, um, some of the funniest uh, bits that, out there. I mean, it like really is hilarious. And I think it stands the test of time, interestingly. Um, <laughs> like you can still listen to some of it and be like, oh my God, this is hilarious. So that's, that's a really good one. Um, I told everyone I would give, um, uh, that I was buying new workout shoes. And so I have tested them out this week. Usually I was, so I was definitely a little nervous because, you know, the first time you wear new shoes, you're like worried you're going to get, um, blisters and whatever. I went on, I really put them to the test. So the first time I wore them, I did like a six mile run. Then I worked out in them. Then I rode a bike in them. So like, I really gave them the full, the full thing. Um, and I had my feet feel great. So I'm giving these a huge recommendation. The shoes that I bought were by a company called Zero, X-E-R-O. I did a fair amount of research here. They're the Zero um, HFS. Did you say it was your own research? Is the, uh, is the brand. It was definitely my own research. Um, it's definitely my own research. But I did a decent amount of research. So I want you guys to leverage it because um, I was looking for, I like to work out in shoes that don't have, um, don't have like heel uh, rays in the back. Um, and ones that are very like about as light as you can possibly get. And as you know, I guess minimalist is the right term here. Cause I like to be able to pack them easily. Um, and these are great. Like I really, uh, they, they're good to run in as well. Um, you can work out on them. I would play like I'd play basketball in them without a problem. And they look, they look pretty good. Usually some of these shoes can look, it's not like a, you know, like a toe shoe, obviously, but mm -hmm. it's, basically a barefoot feel then it, they're super lightweight so i recommend them you can get them on amazon that's where i got them i got the all black they have some cool uh color schemes though too but i'm a i'm an all black junkie there so um i, I huge recommendation i again i've like worn them five times now but they've been great so far um the last thing i'll say on sizing i measured my foot some people said you should get them like a half size bigger um i measured my foot and based on the measurement went with this, the size that those measurements um, indicate. And they, they're uh, maybe a little bit snug, but I wouldn't go up a half size. Um, I'd like the way they feel. So that's my recommendation on sizing. Cause I know buying shoes online with, with uh, sizes can be a hurdle can be daunting. So that's my recommendation. I spent a bunch of time trying to figure this out. So hopefully that helps uh, at least one person out there. Um, that was our show. Uh, good luck on championship sunday to you senor and a happy july 4th weekend to everybody we love you all we'll see you on wednesday peace out